Welcome to the Coffee with Dads podcast. I'm Pedro. And I'm Lois. And we have a special Hello. guest today, Mike Griffin. Introduce yourself. Hey, morning, everybody. I'm Mike Griffin. I'm here in Millersville, Maryland. Nice to talk to you all. Yeah, it's good to have you, man. Where is Millersville anyway, man? I always keep on forgetting that. You always talk about that, but where is <laughs> It's a small little suburb, about eight miles outside of Annapolis, eight to 12 miles outside of Annapolis. Okay, okay. I didn't know it was that close to Annapolis, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like Annapolis. Absolutely. Yeah, I get seafood and stuff like that, man. For sure. High prices and good seafood. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true, man. Yeah, man. Today, we're going to talk about having like a year in review. Uh, year of 2020. 2020 has been an interesting year, to say the least, you know, and some of these topics. We'll just, just talk about different things, man, because I know, man, 2020 started off pretty promising. And then I think once that, everything else just been kind of snowballed out of that. And I'm looking forward to 2021. Hopefully it gets a little better. But some of the major things we want to focus on is, you know, how did 2020 impact us? You know, how did impact us as fathers? Just general life stuff too as well, you know. Um, so, Mark, let's start, let's start with you. How do you, like, how has 2020 been for you? Well, from a work perspective, uh enjoy life to a certain extent because I've been working from home since March. Uh, didn't help with the weight control because <laughs> you get a little lazy. <laughs> you pick up those COVID pounds, as they say, but uh, it is what it is. Once you recognize, you know, you can work through that. But uh, also on the personal note, um, COVID got real for me. My youngest child, my 22-year-old daughter, tested positive. She works in a medical arena. And um, shortly thereafter, after quarantining for two weeks and coming up negative, then my son turned up positive. My oldest son, who works at the NIH with me, turned up positive. So it was very surreal. And then, you know, I guess the thing that affected us all was seeing all of this, the, the crazy news or the newscasts, I should say, and, and what 45 has been saying and doing and Everything else, it, it just, I guess to sum it up, it, it humbled me. Mm-hmm. So, so and did, I appreciated family. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, so how did that impact you, man? When And I know, I know how you feel about your daughter because we both have daughters. You know, yours is a little older than mine. And that's something we always kind of talked about as fathers and so forth. But um, how that really impact you, man? How, you know, considering that, you know, your daughter, you know, contracted COVID, you know, and then your son and how did that, how just overall just impacted your just thought process, you know, and so forth. Bro, the natural knee jerk reaction was that of anger because I couldn't fix it. I felt like I wasn't protecting my daughter, you know, and I have two older sons, but you know, they're on their own and there's a double standard. I don't care what anybody says. If you have a daughter, a daughter, there is a double standard. She's always going to get extra care and extra attention. And what have you. So I couldn't fix it. Uh, The house is big enough so that everybody quarantined on their own floors. But now I'm in the house with my daughter and I'm texting her and I'm, you know, FaceTiming her. But, you know, I can't give my daughter a hug and I I can't fix. And there's nothing that anyone can do. But Mm -hmm. I could not fix my daughter. So anger came from that. And, And then seeing the fool on TV. You know, doing the silliness that he was doing. <laughs> so, yeah, anger was the knee-jerk reaction, bro. 
<laughs> no, nah, I completely understand. No, nah, you know, so yeah, that's that's important is that anger, man. And it, I think, you know, as you mentioned, your daughter's working in that healthcare setting. And did you feel like, oh man, they could have done something better or, or you know, there's some gaps kind of associated with that, you know, and, and things, you know, associated of that nature? So that I did not feel um, because the reality is you could have contracted it anywhere. If she stopped on her way to get gas and, and maybe a coffee or something like that, you know, she could have picked it up any touching any surface anywhere. You know, it's easy just to blame it on that environment mm-hmm. because we think, you know, the virus is going to be prevalent in any medical setting facility, if you will. But um that that father thing that 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 father gene that father daughter bond like i said it it kicked in i wanted to take it out on something or someone but you know then maturity kicks in and you know it's not going to fix anything and you'll make matters worse you wish you could kiss your daughter on the forehead and take the virus from her you know Mm -hmm. yeah so all i could do was just wait and pray bro and and prayerfully and thankfully you know it passed yeah and uh, it's, it's lewis um how did maryland handle it how have they been handling the the virus that's a very interesting uh question our governor is larry hogan and i was just watching one of those morning news shows and he's hit national status he was on that show well you know every other governor and every um highly populated covid laced place is showing up on the news shows um periodically but the thing about him is that he's a republican and he's going against the trump base so he's been um very strict in enforcing policies but i also started to understand the business aspect you know small businesses shut down because they are dependent on our support and if you think about it, if you own the business, how can you continue to pay your staff when you got no money coming in? Right. So, you know, those little stimulus packages that we hear about, it, 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 it it's initiated from a federal level. But I mean, we're talking about loose change under your, you know, your, your, your couch cushion or something like that. What is a business going to do with you know, X amount of dollars, whatever it may be. And and we've heard that there have been business loans available to small businesses and such. But I have friends that own their businesses and they're struggling because people are scared to come out. Mm-hmm. But Hogan, being a Republican, I, I have to say, and, and I'll be quick to say it, I'm a Democrat, but uh, I like Hogan. I like that he's very honest. He's been very transparent with the numbers, with the actions. He was one of the first uh, governors to go out and get the test on his own, not waiting for the federal government to supplement in any way. And I think that took balls in this climate. So, yeah, um, no, no, I, I agree. You know, I think I was able to see both responses, you know, being in Maryland and coming back down south. And you see the difference in just the overall response and kind of like the mandates and kind of pushing things forward. But I like you was also, you know, concerned about, you know, the business standpoint, because I know a lot of friends who got small businesses and things like that. And then kind of looking at it um, in the sense of, you know, when it came to like the CARES Act money and things like that. And it kind of made you mad that these big companies like, you know, Ruth Chris got a whole bunch of money and a 
a regular small business couldn't couldn't afford to get you know some type of bailout you know um absolutely so um lewis how did how did COVID, let's say impact you um what work less people so that was that was good <laughs> uh, hey I'm a people person <laughs> i'm an essential employee so i had to show up for work so there are less people um i think the my sons and i we started bonding more uh, we spent more time together and that was good um so you know Unfortunately, pe- people got sick, um, and that's not good. Friends of mine got sick. Uh, they recovered uh, from the virus. But um, as far as to, for me, I was able to spend more time with them. I try to look at the, the positive in this crazy situation, and me spending time with them has been has been a positive, and with my family as well. Like, my brother's now down here, so we're able to spend a lot more time. I think that's been kind of the positive, looking at the little things that are important. So to me, that's it's been – it's been good and bad, um, but I try to look at the positive and that I was able to spend that time with with my family now. How about you, Pedro? I think it's been, you know, it's twofold, you know, moved down here for new opportunity. I think my first day, um, um, my first day here, it was like my first day at the job, man. They're like, I go in the office, they're like, all right, everybody, this is Pedro. Get your laptop and go home. I was like, oh, man, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> so you're like, oh, man, this is not cool, you know, and, and things like that, you know. Um, um, but I think the benefit is, you know, we've been able to kind of, like you said, spend time with family. You really appreciate family, you know, so I've been able to, you know, hang with my brother, you know, spend a lot more time with my wife and daughter, you know, my parents. But still, you got to be cautious, you know, so it's like. I go, I'm essential most of the time. So I do go in the office a couple of the most days in the week, but I go to the office, come home. If, you know, if I need to go to the grocery store, go early in the morning, you know, um, uh, pick up stuff. People don't do DoorDash or delivery. That's about it. You know, I don't try to go to too many places. Um, um, so, you know, that, that part is, is kind of, you know, the only bad part you really want to get out and kind of enjoy life but then you also got to be careful too you know and it's kind of some of the the policies and, and i guess you know just uh the, a lot of misinformation you know kind of frustrates you to like your point mike you're like come on man you just just, just admit wearing a mask is not that <laughs> difficult you know or right. you see people talking about they're taking away my rights i don't want to wear a mask and you're like it's just a mask, man. You know, you got to wear a seatbelt, you know. Exactly. Like, so it's like kind of like the, the hypocrisy, too, when it comes to just wearing one mask. You know, you can save thousands of lives. Well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be a sheep. You know, you're like, really? I mean, it's just a mask, dude. You know, it's just a mask. You know, and you can protect all these lives. And also, I mean, you just look at, like, like you said, you know, it touched your family and it touched, you know, we have friends who end up you know, and, you know, their family members, you know, impacted by COVID. And a lot of times when people are not impacted by it, they kind of just kind of dismiss it, you know, like, ah, it's not a big deal. It's not happening to me. Right. Or, you know, I'm young. I get it. I'll be okay. You know, and okay, they may recover right now, but if you look at some of the the information and, and things like that, you see how it's impacting like kids 20, you know, good examples like that uh, basketball player who passed out, you know, from a university he fell out, out on the court. Fell exactly. out on the court. So people just kind of dismissing it, but not really taking it serious, you know. 
Um, so that's the only, you know, the only thing that gets you frustrated, you know? Here's the thing that, that also resonates for me, and this happened pre-COVID, mm-hmm. but this whole, um, we went from, and I don't know if it's good or bad, I guess it's half, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. But but since 45 is coming to place, and I'm not trying to turn this into a political forum, no. but th- this whole um, step up of folks like the Proud Boys, as- mm-hmm. especially in the midst of a pandemic, you still want this racial divide, this separation of people, you, this supremacy is killing your dumb asses, too. I, again, sorry. For the language, but that's that's where the emotion comes out. COVID doesn't discriminate. Just like you know, we we've talked about Pedro, you and I have talked about handguns. Bullets don't discriminate. Yep. So here we are, people die, and we. This is the part that's just overwhelming to me. I, I just can't process it. People are dying by the millions across the world. And, and, you know, within the United States, hundreds of thousands of people are dying. And and you still want to wave a Confederate flag and say, whoop, 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 you know. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm just totally blown away by that. I mean, I, I agree with you, man. I, I think, um, you know, you make a valid point and kind of some, you know, we want to touch on upon this conversation as well is that you mentioned the Proud Boys, kind of this heightened racial tension you know that's been going on i would say the last couple years per se you know and i think it's really came to the forefront with some things you know particularly when we're talking about george floyd and things like that um absolutely so so how would you feel that has impacted i guess the overall environment that you're in work-wise this covid stuff and you know between you know and and just want to get your views on that and same thing with lewis as well um, I think there was a lot of passion and, and Pedro, you know, about some of the internal goings on at the NIH specifically, yeah. uh, Juneteenth, you know, and black lives matter. But here's the sad thing about that. We never want to forget, but they always kind of get diluted as time goes on because what, what happens is we don't see a significant change. The same people, who were in leadership before, well, and I'm speaking of the NIH specifically, the same people that were in leadership before um, are still in leadership, except they've set up these diversity groups and they want black people to lead it. Well, black people aren't the ones that are confused about what racism is against a black person, you know, and, and it's great to, to be leading that charge. But if you've still got, and and I'll use the analogy of the head of a snake, you know, if you still got that snake head in place, nothing's going to change or Mm -hmm. or it's going to be whitewashed. And that's a, an appropriate phrase here. It's going to be whitewashed to kind of help thin out that charge that's, that's been ignited, if you will, of, of racial discrimination. And, and you saw it, Joe, how many blacks were in leadership positions when you were at, CIT, the Center for Information Technology at, at the NIH. Man, what I mean, when I first got there, it was quite a few of us, but you, you, we both know how those numbers dwindled. You know, exactly. After, you know, it basically, I don't even know how many people in there now, you know, but it's not much, you know. And no. I think, and I think it, 
you know, you, you are right. You know, I think part of it's kind of the 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 whitewashing, kind of the appeasement. Um, I also feel that when you kind of look at these things that have happened across the country, these are certain incidences or, you know, or events that traditionally people of color have been saying this happens, you know, driving right. black or, you know, all these particular aspects have happened and people can, I mean, they are just making that up, you know, you guys being over right. like, nah, man, this happens to us, you know? So um, it's very important to kind of really recognize that. What are your thoughts about that, Lewis? I think it's, it's brought up good dialogue and now people can communicate and, you know, what one person sees another person, maybe he's not aware of. So I think that this being brought out like it has been, it's given people an opportunity to have discussions and to talk about it. And maybe hopefully it lightens both sides on this, in this dialogue, this situation. How about yourself, Pedro? Well, Lewis, let me, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't No, no, no go ahead. Mike. Have, have you, seen, have you seen a change? I've always seen these situations. Um, kind of both, I look at both sides and every, every situation I'm in. Um, I think there's been more dialogue. I have seen people communicate more. Um, so I think that's been a positive okay. in, in what I do. It's been more, um, um, it's been more open and transparent. I think people have been talking more. I think that's been positive. Now, how that translates to how everyone else sees it, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if it's resonated that deep into people, but I think if nothing else, at least it's gotten, it's gotten people to talk about it, which is important. So let me ask one other mm-hmm. question. Um, because I was a, and, and this is uh, no disrespect to what you do. I was a cop in the military. So I was living in a, a plastic bubble, if you will, on a military base. But when you get off of work, you become a civilian again, at least in appearance. So while you're in uniform, clearly you won't see it. But do you see it as a civilian when you're a civilian? How do you mean? So... In uniform, you're that figure of authority, um, no one, proud boys, let's say, or those who have that like mentality won't confront you because you're in a vehicle, I'm assuming, you've got the uniform, the badge, and you've got a side on. But when you're a civilian, you're not wearing that uniform. You may have your badge and you may be concealed carrying. I don't know how it works down in South Carolina. But do you see... Um, people failing to make eye contact or engaging, or do you hear the slurs? Cause that has grown in Maryland is, is what I can say. So the only thing is missing is people spitting at you. That's how the intensity has grown in Maryland. I, so do you experience any of that? I have not experienced that side of it. Um, you know, I've had, I've been a victim of uh, discrimination in the past. Um, um, but, um, in the past several years, I have not I have not seen that um, in my civilian you know, when I when I'm on civilian clothes or anything like that. I have not seen that, but you know, also we're in an area where it's very diverse, um, and that maybe that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I can I can say that I have not. Uh, how about you, Pedro? Okay, hmm. it's a good question. I mean, I think there's different ways to look at it. I think um, I would say based on COVID. There's not a lot of, you know, with people not going out different places and things like that, you know. I also think when we talk about kind of like um, the the difference in, in treatment and so forth along those lines, you know, by by race, color, you know, all those other things. I think it's very different, you know, and 
compared to the two areas. You know, in Maryland, you know, you Mike and I used to talk all the time how how it was very subtle how they try to address it. You know, here's a little more open. You know, she was like, I, I'd rather take somebody being open. You don't like me as opposed to have somebody trying to be subtle. Um, I, I do think we still have a, a lot of work to do, you know, and it, it goes, starts with, you know, how do we approach the situation? You know, um, do we, one is education, you know, like you mentioned Juneteenth, Mike, another thing folks didn't realize or weren't aware of was, you know, Tulsa, you know, Tulsa incident, you know, mm-hmm. people were like, Oh, why, why are people so upset? You know, again, I think part of that's a historical context that, a lot of individuals are, are not aware of, you know, so I think one is we have to provide more education and resources, you know, the more history and knowledge that, that you have, the better you're prepared to deal with these situations, you know, um, one, that's one aspect of it is kind of having that whole educational component. Two is we got to collaborate and, and help each other out, which I don't think always happens all the time like it should. You know, we, we talked about that too, Mike, when we were, you know, we used to work together and we're like, man, we own, like, what's the, what's the saying? Not all skin folk are kin folk. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, because there were some people we used to work with who looked just like us, but did not have any of our interest in, in hand or anything along those lines. Or when it came to Agreed. a situation, they would first ones be like, oh man, that was, that was Michael Pedro Lewis who did that. I'm like, really? You know, um, and one thing we we all I think that I think I'm not talking about us in this in this conversation because I think we all do this, but others we see something we need to speak up, you know. Regardless, you know what's right is right, you know, and be prepared to kind of deal with that. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times we see things and we're like, yeah, it really ain't gonna impact me. I'm not gonna sit there um, and say anything. Or if you see, uh a colleague being discriminated against you like i'm not saying nothing well that's on them but we're we all need to be there you know because we know what's right you know what's wrong um so i think it's kind of the biggest piece you know um i look at when we start talking about like voting and all those other things you know it's let's focus on the local and state level you know a lot of times we focus on these big pieces of of I mean, I got to get this national election and things like that. But like you said, Mike, on, on these local levels, that's what's really impacting it. These local judges, these state electors, you know, our, our local House of Representatives and things like that, you know, um, those well, those play a role in it. Yeah, I mean, I think the national elections are important and, and that's always great that people go out and vote. But what's going to impact your daily life, what's going to affect you on a daily basis is going to be those those, you know, the local sheriff, the, the city mayor, the, you know, um, department of Absolutely. um, your house of representatives, the city council, all those things are the ones that I think really make a difference on your daily lives. And, uh, it sh- whatever side you're in, whatever side you're on, you should go and vote. Those are the ones that impact your daily life. The president does have a big part of it, but it's not going to affect you on, a, on your on a daily basis as, as with your local elections. Agreed. Agreed. And, and I think that takes us full circle to a certain extent, um, it, at least for our culture, our group, if you will. That's where the education comes into play. Some people are so tied into a mindset of things will never change that they fail to go out and vote at the local elections. But as they say, you can't complain if you don't go out there and vote. 
So that's where educating people to cause and effect Mm -hmm. come into play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I think that is a tremendous point. Yeah. And I think that piece is, is, is very important. You know, it's, um, you know, we're talking about education, you know, tomorrow, what, not just education, like history and things like that, but let's educate ourselves on the impact of, you know, this policy, if this person doesn't vote this, you know, and, you know, you mentioned Hogan, who's a Republican and, you know, I followed Hogan and you got to give that man credit. He's doing what's best for the state, you know, as opposed to what's best for my political aspirations, you know, a lot of times, if you look at kind of what happened this previous, this past election and all those people who voted, there's a lot of people who just down ballot voted. I'm just going to vote for this person or I'm going to do 45 and things like that. But not realizing that you mentioned some of the Proud Boys and things like that, their socioeconomic status and the policies that are currently held by certain administrations are not, are not really helping them. But they don't realize that because one, they haven't really... They kind of read whatever on the internet. It's on the internet, so it must be true. Like that commercial, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I think that's a that's a big piece, you know, that I think people fail to realize. They kind of, instead of really doing their research, you know. So if, if Mike, you're a candidate and, well, I'm Mike, you should vote for me because, you know, I'm a man of color and all this other stuff. But when I look at your record, I'm like, oh, no, this does not help me. You know, right. you know, the tax cuts, let's talk about, for example, use the tax cuts, you know, if you're making a certain amount of money, the average people complaining don't make $400,000 a year. You know, I'm that 1%, dude, you make $50,000 a year at most, you know, or you make 20, you know, you're not that 1%, you know, but they fail to kind of really recognize that. And I think this whole, this whole piece has really been a lot about a lot of like misinformation, you know? So, you know, you make another valid point. What about voter suppression and, you know, tied to the money that you make? Mm -hmm. So it's it's funny to me how things like that come up. Um, You know, if you only make $40,000, $50,000 a year, and I'm not, you know, saying that that's a bad thing. I'm glad that everybody is making something. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're making, you know, if you're making that type of money, then chances are, your boss, depending on who he or she is, may not allow you that time to get out to the polls to vote. Yep. You know, and it, that's one thing that I've seen in 2020, the different tools that folks have to suppress our right to vote or people's right to vote. It, it, it's amazing the lengths that they will go to. I mean, you change the uh, the zones in a particular county. Mm-hmm. So that it leans more to Republican or whatever the case may be, but it, it's that whole dynamic. It's <laughs> the sad thing is it's not rocket science. It's just that we tend to stick our heads in the sand mm-hmm. and hope that it will go away, and it won't. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. You know, I think I look at um, when you talking about you know voting and the limit on early voting extended voting, mail-in voting, the attack that happened on mail-in. Exactly. You know, so that traditionally disenfranchises people of color, black, brown, Asian, Spanish, you know, whatever you name it, because that really impacts their neighborhood. Or let's say in your neighborhood, you used to have six drop boxes. Now you got one that serves 
a couple hundred thousand people, right. which is pretty much impossible. But those are things that happen that I think um, fall back. Oh, how about mailboxes in, in Mayo County? Oh, yeah. Uh, devices in your post office. Oh, yeah, that was a hot mess, man. I mean, the, the limits that they go to, it's amazing. Yeah, and they try to couch it as, oh, man, we're trying to make things efficient. I don't know about you, but last time I checked, uh, a sorting machine makes counting mail faster, you know? <laughs> it's like having a manual cash register as opposed to the automatic ones, you know? It's right, exactly. You know? What are your thoughts, Lewis? No, I, I agree. I, I, you know, I, I see what you're saying about having these options available to people, you know, you're right. If you have these systems in place, it makes it a little faster and more efficient. Um, but I think it goes back to education. Um, I think in our society, we need to be, be very aware of what's going on in our local communities and the national level. And I don't see a lot of people doing that. They kind of just hit the, they're on Instagram or on Facebook and they're not looking at these things that affect you on a daily basis. So it says if there's a local election a referendum nobody votes on it. Only the few people that are really interested in that understand it will vote on those things. And so those things impact directly impact your daily life. Like we talked about earlier. So I think it's all about us as a community, whatever side you're on, whether you're on the left or right, educate yourself on all these things. And it's, it's like a job. You got to be aware because it happens on a daily basis. Every two years is an election pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, so, and we're not aware of that. And that impacts your daily life. You know, if, if we get enough people on whatever side you're on, uh, to be involved, you can make changes. Um, but um, without that, you, it's going to be difficult to make a change because in this country, it's about, it's about influence and it's about money. So, you know, you can influence with your vote um, and that helps change policies and, and things in your community. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think we're all in agreement on that one. And I think that's the big piece, you know, how do we move forward? You know, how do we deal with the, the repercussions of the, you know, the kind of the racially tinged um, environment we're in now. Cause I mean, it's, it's out there, you know, and um, whether it's, you know, I mean, there's so many people, I mean, you got, I mean, Aubrey, you got, I mean, it's a long list of folks, you know, but I think this is a systematic thing that we've talked about, you know, quite often. And I think part of it is we got to kind of, you know, work together, educate each other, but also ensure that, you know, we all hopefully we'll be on the same page because I think that the more education, the more information that's out there, the proper information um, is important. Like like Lewis said, I mean, every two years there's an election every two years, you know, so you got to make sure every two years we at the box getting asking for your mail in voting, you know, kind of move forward and things like that, you know, um, and that's the hard part to get people more involved. Um, I'm not really sure what the answer is, um, but that's what will help, you know, whatever side you're on, that'll help you kind of move things forward if you understand what you're voting for, you yeah. know, what's what's being submitted. Every state house, every year when, when session is in, they always have these new bills, things are going on, constantly changing. This stuff is online, you can look it up. Pretty much every state has it where you can look what they're debating, what they're talking about, and most people are not engaged. They don't even know what they're proposing most of the time they know the end result but a lot of times they propose bills and if you're aware of those bills you can kind of see what's going on on a literally on a daily basis what they're doing uh, but most people are not aware of that and they just wait until pretty much the end and then they just vote on the main election or they'll vote on some you know um, a candidate they like but they're not looking at these other stuff that are, they're constantly being 
being talked about on a daily basis. So I, I don't know what the solution is, but I think we just, whatever side you're on, you could be aware and be very engaged because this is what the country is based on us where we run the country technically, you know, the people do. Um, but it seems like people are just kind of, yeah, they're just more focused on other things right now. And, and, and I understand with COVID and everything, but I think before pre COVID you had the same type of thought process. People just kind of, they just basically, they look at the highlights and they go for those main, main, um, main candidates, um, instead of being aware on a daily basis, of what's being proposed or what's being introduced. What about you think? I think you made some some great points there, uh, Lewis. Um, I, I look at it like I, I, I think things can be closer to us than we sometimes see. I think there's a, a tactical or or shorter term solution and a longer term solution, and and this goes to the generations. So we know that there are folks um, in our demo demographics that aren't gonna change. Well, we still gotta work with them. And if that means that come voting time, we get a big van or a big bus and we drive them to the polls, but we have to talk to them before voting day. But I think the saving grace is that strategic solution, that longer term, and that's dependent on us. We're talking about our kids and our kids' kids. So this is where we start re-educating and, and showing them the importance of community, and bonding together. And we all know that, you know, everybody of color is not the best person for a particular thing. But I think that's that's fewer than than more, so to speak. But I remember and I wanted to bring this up earlier in the conversation because you guys are just hitting on so many um, hot topics and points. When I first got into government, I met a lady, a contractor to work for IBM. And it was a casual dress day or something like that. And she came in with this NAACP T-shirt on it. And on the back, it said, each one reach one. Now, a slogan isn't going to save the day, but that mindset might make a change. And, and that was over 20 years ago. And I still remember that slogan, each one reach one. If it's just one of us touching one person and everybody takes that mindset, I think that's how we affect change. But it's just, in some cases, it's not going to be immediate. You guys have any thoughts on that? No, no, I, I think you're right. I think, um, you know, it's not going to be immediate. You know, this is not going to be kind of an instant type of gratification situation. You know, if we able to reach one person, you know, in, in each day, you know, it's kind of like, you you know, to your point, too, is like if you do something positive for one person, you know, kind of like paying it for it. I buy somebody's coffee, yep. you know, and next person, one by one, people realize, oh, yeah, I, I, this is something that I could do. You don't have to do wholesale. We're not asking somebody to to go ahead and buy a whole turkey for like 20 people, you know, but it's like that one, you got to take a, like you said, it's a methodical approach, you know, one person each day, you know, how can I reach one person each day? You know, you know, we start off also kind of like a, the initial people we, we deal with is like our kids and our, our family, you know, put the foundation in them. So that way they kind of reach out and talk to other folks as well, you know, um kind of move 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 going moving that in that in kind of that direction you know what are your thoughts lewis no i agree i think and that's one thing i started doing with my kids just i can only i can i know i can probably affect them more than um than anybody else so i try to you know tell them to learn to read to understand how things work no matter what issue it is understand it you know it's not all about 
the internet. I mean, research it and find things out and be involved. And this is how you make change. So I, I'll do my best. I try to do my best with them and we can make change with other people. We interact with them. We can talk to them about different things and hopefully that changes or if nothing else makes them more aware of what the, the topic is. So I think you're right, Pedro. I think, you know, if we start with one person, that's all we can do. And then just slowly work with just one person at a time. No, I think that's kind of the, um, one of the best ways to kind of approach it, you know, but also, I think sometimes, you know, internally, we do things sometimes that kind of feed into what others think about us. And I look at kind of um, how, uh, I'll give an example, you know, um, Mike and I used to hang out with this little foyer in the building. You know, we should sit there. People say call it our office. <laughs> sit there just hanging out, you know, you know. And then like one day, somebody came by, I was like, oh, you know, there's too many of y'all in one spot. My response is like, why? I'm not moving. Everybody else can get together and hang out and talk all the time. Why should we move? Uh-huh. You know, so from an internalization perspective, sometimes we kind of take that, oh, we can't all can't hang out. They're going to think, no, I want everybody to know that we talk and we're friends, you know, uh-huh. so they can't like divide and conquer us. And it wasn't a way about being militant, but it was just kind of like, nah, why should we break up every time somebody else walks out who doesn't look like us because we're afraid of what they may think? I was like, I'm not. That's their issue. It's not my issue. Uh-huh. My guys be like, man, see, y'all see me. I'm the, y'all used to call me the militant one, but look at this dude, you know? <laughs> so it was funny. <laughs> but to use that as kind of an example, I, I think that was kind of, you know, to me, I was like, wait, why are we always see somebody else walk around? We got to go. I'm like, no, I'm not going nowhere. I'm going to sit here and keep on talking. Uh-huh. You know, we used to call that up. Because see, they, 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 do, they do theirs in the conference room, yeah, yeah. you know, behind shaded closed blinds and closed doors and whatnot so that's okay yeah so we're like i'm not sitting there you know i'm sitting there just holding a conversation we'll sit and just chat mm-hmm. you know but i think that's also another piece too sometimes i think we internalize kind of that let's say stereotypes but that vision if we're too if we're all talking together then people are gonna think some a, a different way i'm like no nah, i'm not doing that i'm not changing that mm-hmm. not today you know and i think that's another piece too mm-hmm. you know we should be comfortable enough that you know, they're going to think what they're going to think anyway. But I think for us, it's not, she should probably approach it from an angle of watch it always try to go make you feel comfortable because you have a unconscious or perceived bias. You see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, or fear. Or fear. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, or fear, you know. Uh-huh. What are your thoughts? So, Lewis, one of the things that you, I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, bro. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I haven't mastered the podcast uh, decorum yet. I apologize. No, no worries. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so Lewis, one of the things that, that you haven't seen, I'm, I'm nowhere the size of your brother, but I'm not a small man either. And what I saw was that we're educated, we're outspoken, and we hold positions, not necessarily the highest positions at our particular workplace, but we hold positions where we affect change. And that's when you started seeing people walk away from us whispering as they walked away or, or the condescending, hey, how are you guys doing this morning? With, And you know there's nothing there. Because if you see us individually, you walk right by us and don't even say good morning. So that's the amazing part of where we worked. Okay. You know, you can't walk by us and say you didn't see us because okay. we... We're a nice size individuals. <laughs> so, 
and 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 then we're outspoken, and then there's one other guy, Delwyn Pedro. Yeah. Delwyn would make it his business to make sure the whole the entire building heard him say good morning to somebody. So it was hilarious. You could not, you can't possibly possibly walk by the three of us, and then there's a one there's one young lady, a lady by the name of Ruth, <laughs> and if you walk by her, she would talk to herself. She would say, "Oh, I'm fine, thank you," and then she would flip around and hold a conversation as you walk by, not even extending a simple courtesy Mm -hmm. of saying good morning. So we have a bunch of strong people of color that we worked with, but it was just so funny how things would happen. Everybody would rush up to us if there were three or four of us together, just to make sure they spoke. Mm -hmm. But again, if it's you walking by and there are three of them, nothing. Nobody lifts a head up. Nobody extends a hand to shake, you know, dap up or anything like that. And then it would happen within the color as well, as Pedro mentioned earlier. They didn't get the, what did that one say, Pedro? They didn't get the nod. Yeah. Didn't understand the head nod. Didn't understand the nod, yep. (laughs) Hilarious. Yeah, but I think that's important too, you know, because I think, um, to Mike's point, you know, we, we had our positions, but one thing we did was collaborate, you know, Something was going on. I'm like, yo, Mike, you know, you need to be aware of this, what's going on. And we chat, you know, and kind of the best way, you know, very similar to what our counterparts did, you know, they didn't think they were aware of it, you know, but I also think that's something that from a perspective that, you know, we all kind of need to do, you know. Um, Absolutely. There were some people, you know, who didn't get invited to the party because we would try. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, oh no, nah, nah, I can't. He's, he's never coming back, or he or she's never coming back here, uh-huh. you know. And we'd extend it. We'd extend an olive branch to to pretty much everybody, you know. There were some people who were like, hey man, we're going out. Um, we're gonna have some, you know. This is all pre-COVID. You know, we enjoy our happy hours. Let's get some wings and and, and go out and just hang out. And we do that, but some people to get out there, you'd be like, oh, yeah. And I'd tell Mike, I was like, they ain't never coming back, man. They ain't never coming back, man. Damn, no, this person never coming back, man. They, uh-uh. That's not how we act, you know, or, or you just, we, and you want to have an environment like where, you know, like we could share whatever here and it's not a big deal, you know. Some folks would be like, I was hanging out with uh Mike, Pedro, and Lewis, and they said this and this. Oh, my God. And the whole building heard, and then we like, what are you talking about? You know, I was like, we just did that last night, you know. So you're like, yeah. You can't be part of the group, man. Right. You know, some people got kicked out of the club, you know, but rightfully so. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, yeah, a- application didn't make the process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they went through that first interview and they were like, ah, I'm sorry. Application. <laughs> you know, nah, we can't do that, man. Nope, nope. You know, but I think that's part of just, you know, the whole, you kind of build your, your, your collaboration, your coalition, you know, um, we talk about like the inequities um, and a lot of things, you know, so I want to kind of get your, you got both your guys inputs of like, how has like this environment, I think impacted, you know, your ability for like another position or growth within your current, your current position. I'll start with you, Lewis. Something about COVID. The whole, just... Yeah. It's like, say if opportunity for like a promotion comes up, you know, or, or things like that. Have you, have you felt that, compared to other people. You don't have to use yourself or you say other examples you've seen of how some people get, I guess, move up without necessarily having the best qualifications compared to us or mm-hmm. just in general, you know what I'm saying? 
Um, I can say with in my job, it's been maybe unique. I've seen other places where you see it different, where you know it's, it's it goes to more about who you know. Mm-hmm. You know, this person they knew each other, and that's kind of how it works. Um, but in my in my job in my organization, it's been very different. Um, it's it's especially now that we have a new supervisor, a new new chief. It's been more about and even before the old chiefs. Um, it's been more about what you've done you know, what you've done mm-hmm. in the organization because we have a system in place for it and you can see that it's it was it was done more um based off your qualification what you've done now i know other organizations um within the state i've seen where it's it's you knew that it was because they knew somebody mm-hmm. you know they they knew him before in the day they went to high school with the guy and that's kind of how they kind of moved up so i mean you see it all over the place but i you know specifically with my organization it's been more about their qualifications and what they've done, mainly more what they've done um, within their organization. Some mm-hmm. people want to move up, but they haven't done anything, even though they've been there for a long time. But um, these other divisions have done things and they've progressed because of that. And it's been you know, race and, and, and gender has not been part of that. It's been more about what they've done for the organization. Um, so for me, it's been it's been a little different. Um, I don't know. how you How do you feel, Pedro? I'm, I'm gonna let Mike go with this one, and I'm gonna follow up with this one because I mean I, I think that's great, and I think I feel that um, that's how it should be. You know, ideally, you know, I think you're in a great situation where that kind of is is the model. You know, um, I'm gonna let Mike go. With I'm gonna I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna caveat. I'm gonna add on to that. What are your thoughts on that, Mike? <laughs> Interesting question. Thanks for the setup. <laughs> um. I think when you reach a certain level, the way you're kind of um, restrained is is by assignments that are handed to you. So if if you are running a particular division, branch, group, you have a, a mission focus and your job is to do A through K or something like that. But what happens a lot is that they reduce the funding for A through K. So your ability to accomplish anything is is quickly diminished. Um, They, you know, we were just laughing and joking about being a part of the club. Well, they kick you out of the club. You're not included in meetings. Oops, I didn't, you know what? It's an afterthought. We should have included you in this because your values, your ideas, would have been great. Well, see, the ma- the meeting has already taken place. The assignments have already been handed out and the funding, and that's the key phrase, the funding for these assignments has already been handed out. So um, we'll call you back on the tail end and if we get additional funding, you know, it'll come your way. Well, you never get called back and things continue to move on. And in our environment, things would morph. So you were focused on um, under, you know, letter A, you were focused on numbers one through seven. Well, then under letter A, it extended to 107 now. So that meant that that particular effort got additional funding and you're still not included. Now on the promotion side, you know, you reach a, a particular ceiling and you have no additional opportunities within that group. You have to leave. And, and find a landing place someplace else. Um, how does that resonate for you, Pedro? Oh, no, I agree. I, I agree. I think it's, um, you get to a certain position and it becomes, are you at the table? Um, 
And to Mike's point, yeah, your funding is not much, but they expect you to make it work. And when you do make it work, they get upset. You know, a sense of this isn't exactly what I wanted. Yeah, you know, this is what, 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 what? Oh, they still made it work. Yeah, we'll make it work. You're not giving me the funding, you know, but I'll still make it work. Mm-hmm. Still execute it better than, you know, with their additional funding and additional resources. You have not even half those resources and you're still able to execute. I think also becomes an issue where you're not at the table, but yet when stuff goes wrong, they want to call you in to fix the issue that they created, as opposed to saying, who would have had you here from the beginning? We wouldn't be in this situation right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also becomes an issue where I think if, let's say whoever's in charge, it's about their comfort level, more so than having the knowledge and the base to, to kind of do what you need to do, you know? So if, like to Mike's earlier point, you know, where we're pretty, we're close to what over at least six feet, you know, solid dudes, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I think we're we're both very direct, not you know rude to the point. <laughs> we're just direct, you know, kind of matter of fact. Mm-hmm. I think we what we found out over our career is that a lot of people can't really handle that, and it's not being we're rude. We're, we're very polite, we're very professional, but they don't want the comfort. They they want that comfort level. I'm gonna get somebody who. I know doesn't know anything, but I just like him because he looks just like me and okay. he's a dummy, okay. you know. Um, but that's just crazy. Pedro, fix me a mint julep. Yeah, that's pretty much how it is. <laughs> you know, you're like, okay, I like, uh, give me more tea, sir. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, when are you going to get to that back lawn? Yep, exactly. That's pretty much how, how they kind of approach it. You know, you're like, well, okay, you know. So you want to make this decision, not include me. All right, cool. You do it yourself, you know, and, and that becomes an issue, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll may hire somebody. You may compete for the same job. Everybody else is saying, you know, Mike or Pedro is the best person for the job. Now, panel has it. But you don't want to admit that the panel has rated me or Mike or you, Lewis, higher than anybody else. But you was like, well, I'm more comfortable with this other guy, even though everybody else said he's not good for the job. And that what happens, and then they make that selection. But yet, there's so many issues, and they don't want to admit like, yeah, we kind of messed up. We should have got Mike or Pedro, but our own issues prevented that, you know. Mm-hmm. Or Mike, once you train the new guy, well, I'm gonna train him to do my job. He should know how to do his job, <laughs> and that's what kind of happens, you yeah. know. Um, so it's 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 an issue, you know, that's prevalent, you know, and and um, sometimes I'm like, I don't know how we could get around it. You would hope that. Most people just look at your resume, look at your what the work you've done, similar to what you mentioned, Lewis, is that, yeah, this person is great for the job and they would get it, you know, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's not the case, you know, and mm-hmm. and it becomes kind of a, a microcosm or just of what they feel comfortable with, you know, and instead of people really t- touching it head on, um, it becomes an issue. You know, I kind of look at it, too, is in the sense of like when they came out with that executive order. Or say they can't talk about racial disparities or discrepancies or anything along like that in the federal government. Like, you do realize there is some racism in the government, you know, and people need to be educated about this, you know, and people don't want to admit it. You're like, oh, no, we can't have that because, you know, it's 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 become an issue. You're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. But they don't want to confront it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, Lewis? No, I, I agree. With you. I, think, um, I think being transparent is important. Yeah. If you're transparent, I think it whatever side you're on it, it kind of clears the air 
Um, so I think it being transparent is important. And yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to that, on, on, onto that Mike? No, I think we've covered it. Um, I, 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 sadly, I don't know what the fix is. Yeah, that's a question. I'm something I, uh, I really don't. I was like, you know, how do we fix it? You know, um, I think one thing is is networking. You know, getting people's name out there. You know, collaborating. You know, building a, a diverse group, of, a diverse coalition of folks. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't think there's a concrete answer. That's actually a very good question. You know, it's like, how do we, how do we get past that? You know, um, I think one thing. So our only option, well, think about this one, Joe, cause you were kind of at the, you were on your way out as this was developing, mm-hmm. you know, our, the out that we have is filing complaints. Mm-hmm you know, through established systems where there are no repercussions, but we know that there are repercussions. So, (laughs) hey, there's a problem here. Let me let upper management know, unbiased, totally objective upper management know that this exists. And then they will send in a, a group or a group of people or a person to investigate who is totally unbiased. Mm -hmm. But the sad part is, the solutions, and, and we touched upon this a little bit, come back a little diluted, a little watered down, and they don't affect the change as much as we may try. But then the person that raised the point in the beginning, all of a sudden is just mediocre in his or her work mm-hmm. when they've been stellar performers. Yeah, I mean, that's the tough part. You know, you look at it is... Um, I think you have to look at it from a stance of I'm always going to speak out. And I guess we can't be quiet. I think that's one aspect of it, you know, because um, if you allow somebody to keep on doing something and don't say anything, they're going to think it's going to be okay. You know? Um, and then you're right. Your point is like, okay, if we do go through these, these options that are available to us, you're like, you know what? They're going to sit there and try to pick anything. Um, but if you put them on notice too, they're going to have to be careful. You'd be like, you know what? We try for that, but for that amount of time. Yep. And what they have at their disposal is time. Yeah. They can wait us out. Yeah. Because you're like, do I need? It? And you already know that those complaints have, you know, time limits. Yep. You got 45 days to file this and resolve that. Yep. 90 days, and then it all goes away. Yeah. And then that's just that's like the big dilemma, you know? Do I speak up or what's going to happen? You know, this may be resolved just for. You know, if it goes past the 45 days and it goes, you know, that whole process, you know, what happens afterward? You know, and that's the thing, you know, I think we should always hold true to our convictions and what we believe, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm going to sit there and stand my ground. You're not going to sit here and and, and do anything, you know, and, and I'm, a, I'm not going to be okay. Because I think sometimes we do worry about that, too. It's like, all right. If I do this, then how's this going to impact me down the road? But then you're like, you know what? Right is right. Wrong is wrong. Let me do what I need to do um, and ensure that, you know, they don't try nothing crazy. But, uh, you know, it still goes back to building your coalition and your partnership, you know. And um, and I think one thing is, too, is like, you know, if we're in those situations, let's build our, you know, we have our own internal partnerships that we've built. You know, like, you know, we had our group of folks. 
but we also expand to include other people. We may have a different conversation, but we're including other people traditionally we wouldn't have in there. You know what I mean? So you're kind of building these collaborations Agreed. and these partnerships with other folks. So if something does happen, you'd be like, hey, they could exert influence over that. Because I think that's something we need. You know, overall, I think sometimes we have to do a, a better job of, you know, you know, um, what are your thoughts? Inclusion. Inclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Lewis? No, I, Lewis. No, I, <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. I think networking and then building those relationships is what's going to help you uh, because everybody does it. Yep. You know I mean? And it's no different than anybody else doing it. And we need to do the same as well. Yeah. What do you think, Mike? I agree with that. Um, I, I don't want to give up because um, I'm competitive for one and, and it's wrong. First and foremost, it's wrong. You know, we're in the 21st century and we're still dealing with issues from the 1930s, 40s and 50s. That's crazy. We haven't, from that perspective, we haven't made any progress. I mean, I think we all agree that we've made progress in other areas, but some of those fundamental things, you know, still raise their ugly heads. And, and I, and I think we have to do whatever it takes, you know, to, to, to squash this, because I I go back to those pictures that we've seen on the internet and those commercials that pop up. Now you see a little um, white boy and a little black boy playing together in the schoolyard. Mm -hmm. That that's a beautiful picture. You know, and what that tells us is that racism is learned. Mm -hmm. They're just two kids playing. But somebody in that that genealogy, that that family line, inserted hatred because of skin tone. Mm -hmm. And that's I remember I was stationed overseas in Italy for four years, and I was talking to an Italian co-worker. And and the conversation had been going on for minutes and minutes, and he shared with me something that that still resonates today. He said, Mike, we don't dislike you because of the color of your skin. We dislike you because you're American, because you come over here with your negative ways. You don't appreciate our culture, our practices, our this, that, and the other. So it had nothing to do with color. it, It was that we were the ugly Americans. And at that time, I was maybe 18 to 20, something like that, and I had never heard that perspective before. You know, growing up, you know, where I grew up in the inner city and whatnot, it was a racial thing. You didn't come in this block if you didn't have this, you know, particular color or tone or knew somebody. But now I'm in a place where they don't care what color I am. They just don't like the American label that I came over here with because we're disrespectful, ugly Americans. And, you know, in hindsight, that that was a great problem to have because that just meant that I needed to open my mind and, and appreciate where I was and make an effort to learn someone else's ways. But, you know, that was in the late, early 80s. And now we're in, you know, again, the 21st century and we've come full circle again. Mm-hmm. And we and, and a group of people have been empowered to show that hatred. So while we have made progress, in certain ways we have not. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, a group of people feel empowered, you know, a lot of times. And I think they kind of based on kind of what they feel, what they've learned, kind of tap it into 
some of that hatred, as you mentioned, and feel they're better than other folks. And that's not the case. You know, you know, as we look toward, you know, this this year, like I said, it's been crazy with COVID, the, the racial tension, the kind of work issues kind of going on, how we telework and kind of deal with all those things. What are you two guys looking forward to or hoping for as we kind of start to close out this year for the next year? I'll start with you, Lewis. Um, hope that this COVID thing gets more in control for sure. Um, small, small businesses and, you know, we're able to kind of start back up again. That helps. A lot of people need it right now. Uh, but the main thing is that everybody's safe and that this new year brings more positive than last. Mike? I agree with that. Prosperity, obviously, first and foremost, health. I hope the vaccines work. I hope we get enough for everybody, yeah. you know, and this whole issue of how much is it is it going to cost does not come up. I don't want a group of people not to have access to it because of their social or economic status. You know, everybody needs to be healed. And, and and a lot of healing needs to take place. You know, the medical, the mental, everything, the financial healing needs to take place. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to prosperity. Um, gatherings. <laughs> I miss my friends, you know. I miss family members. So I'm, I'm looking forward to 4th of July or family reunions and, and things like that. Graduations, you know. It's been... You know, that's one thing that we did not hit on, the, the kids. What's been the effect directly on the kids? Yeah. Homeschooling, virtual learning, and things like that. But, you know, staying up, upbeat and positive, I'm, I'm looking for all of those things to change. And I don't want to go back to normal. I want to go back to better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all those points, you know. And I think it's – I'm hoping, you know, like I said, my biggest concern is, like, the vaccine. Everything is better with COVID you know, kind of getting back to, you know, things getting better, you know, if, you know, with businesses, small businesses, yeah, I want them to open, but let's do it safely. You know, you just can't sit there and say, we're going to have hundred percent dining indoors. You're like, Whoa, you know, come on, let's, let's, you know, do they get funds, you know, or funds can be allocated for small business so they could open and even make their money. Cause you know, small businesses are, are what makes the economy thrive, you know, and, um, I'm hoping for that. I'm hoping everybody gets the vaccine, has access to adequate health care. Your point is right, too, man. It's like, you know, the kids, Lewis probably can speak more about his kids being at home, learning more than I can, you know, but my daughter's been home kind of learning. We haven't sent her to daycare, you know, doing a home learning program because, you know, sending kids to school or daycare, man, and get sick and they come back and then, you know, all that whole piece, you know, so I'm hoping we start making more positive change and this helps us reflect on, you know, how we become better overall, you know? Agreed. Agreed. Sounds good. Well, Mike, we appreciate it, man. Appreciate time joining, joining the coffee with dad's podcast with Pedro and Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thank you guys for the invitation. Oh man, you welcome anytime, man. We'll have to schedule one again real soon, man. We really do appreciate it, man. And, wish you and your family a man happy new year and um, we'll definitely touch base again soon same to you both thank you guys all right man thank you take care you too bro all right all right